This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country. Eric Cohen and Shane Dale. And you know what, Shane? It's not just us this week. This is going to be the smartest edition of Wildcat Country that we've ever had. And I can promise you that. And why do you, if you're listening, you're like, well, why would you say that? We have two of the smartest people that we've ever had on this program with us for the entire show. And they're all together. No pressure, guys. No pressure. No pressure at all. Yeah, we have Blair Willis, who's a former SID for the Wildcat football team. And we have the best analyst. I have not heard anybody anywhere break down Arizona football as good as this guy. And that's you know, how to, you know how to talk of our guests, Eric. It's the truth, though. And I'm telling we've gotten Shane, you've seen message or on the on the YouTube comments. They've said yeah. the same thing. They they enjoyed Blair's, you know, first time that he was on before the season. And then Barrett was a hit after the San Diego State game. So uh, we're really glad to have both of you guys on. And we're going to be we're going to do by yourself, which is presented by our friends at Ice Shaker. And then we're going to do picks at the end of the show. Now. Before we get going with Ice Shaker, you guys, Shane, if, if I, I got to mention this. We have our new half-gallon jugs, which you can see here, with our logo on them. Go to iceshaker.com. You can get one of these. Uh, Shane, are these in stock? Do we know? Oh, you got to unmute. There we go. All yeah. right. Sorry. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. As of, uh, I think, Monday, they're in stock on iceshaker.com. We'll post a link on our, our Twitter page. Awesome. So go. you can go to iceshaker.com. Use promo code Wildcat Country, capital W, capital C. You get $5 off. And these things are legit. I, I don't even know how much water you can drink, but if Rob Gronkowski wants it, and I, maybe he'll be rocking it down at Tucson for homecoming this weekend. So let's hope. All right. So time for Buy or Sell presented by Ice Shaker. Barrett, I'm going to start with you for number one. I know you are passionate about this. So here we go. Buy or Sell. If things don't improve, Arizona has to make drastic changes with its defensive staff next year. Buy or Sell. I'm going to sell that because I think that it's important, though I have been very displeased with the results on the field, I do think there is something to the fact that when you look at the continuity of our defensive staff and how many changes, what that does when you change a defensive system every year, that player that is a sophomore, a junior, a senior, and should be immediately reacting to things, they have to go back to reading and thinking. And when you think on defense, you're a step behind, and that's losing football. So I think that they make minor tweaks. Uh, I think that maybe you bring in somebody, as we've talked about before, that can then get, give Coach Nansen uh, a little extra help to lend uh, you know, a, a second opinion. But I think with the recruiting prowess that that staff has, I don't think it's time to over, uh, you know, just to, to wipe the slate clean. Uh, Recruiting-wise, we got to get some wins on that front as well. So I'm going to sell on that. I don't, I don't think we make drastic changes at this point. All right, Blair, how about you? Buy or sell uh, the drastic changes need to be made on the coaching staff next season if things continue as they are? Well, if they continue as they are, I think the question becomes much more relevant the deeper into the season we get. Um, by the way, we're just over the halfway point. The bye week you know, came at maybe an opportunistic time to get some, some players healthy, uh, maybe even let the coaching staff kind of, you know, Take a step back, uh, reassess some things, not just necessarily scheme wise or personnel wise, but, you know, how are they teaching this? How are they communicating it? How are they implementing it? Um, what are some of the little changes that you can use the extra days of the bye week to maybe get a more complete game plan, one that these players understand and process? Um, the challenge, though, for Arizona, the coaches, the players, everybody, is there's some really, really, really good offenses coming up. I mean, You've got, obviously, USC this week's one of the best offenses in, in, in the league. You've still got Utah and USC, uh, UCLA coming up. Uh, so the, the task gets no easier for this coaching staff. I think you have to understand that. I mean, you're not going to necessarily see Arizona go from being a, one of the worst defenses in the league to one of the best all of a sudden here the second half of the season, so to speak. But you would like to see some incremental progress. I think Barrett's point is right on. You want to keep that continuity. Uh, you hope that you can hit the transfer portal, get better players in here next year. You obviously want to get some recruits in here. 
but there's going to have to be some wholesale changes somewhere defensively, whether that's personnel or coaching wise. I think we need to ride out the next five games, see how it is, see where things feel, you know, what they feel like after that territorial cup uh, at the end of the season and, and, you know, see what will be the best course of action for this staff to go. But right now, uh, you know, I throw out some numbers. It's, it's historically a bad defense right now, right now it's on pace to be the worst defense uh, in program history. Uh, I know there's some really good offenses, but Arizona's given up almost seven yards a play. Uh, it's never done that. I think 2020 was the, the highest yards per play allowed, which was around 6.6, 6.7 yards per play. Right now it's over 6.9. So um, it's not going to be easy to turn around, but we've got to have a chance to, to finish out the season strong and see what the staff can do with these guys. Uh, we need to check and see if Barrett has any more eligibility uh, because, oh. we, yeah, he, he's not looking so good with uh, hearing those stats. Shane, has your mind changed in the last week? Uh, I know, obviously, Arizona hasn't played, but uh, are we talking wholesale changes next year if Blair's stats keep up or are we selling that notion? No, I don't think wholesale changes. I, I think you know the the one the positive or the 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 reason to keep things the way they are, pretty close to the way they are, is you've had three different defensive coordinators in the last three years, or maybe it was at four and four. And then, do you want to do it again next year? Uh, the answer is probably no. I, like I, said, I don't think Jed Fish would, would make that change in one year, even if the defense continues as it is. It's tough to know, are you know, because sometimes defensive players or players in general in college football they don't improve sometimes they peak out as a freshman or a sophomore and so is that happening with some of these guys uh you know like like keon bars who we thought was going to make a bigger impact on the defense or does it have to do with the scheme and the personnel the the atmosphere because obviously johnny nansen's a lot different personality from don brown but i i think that it if certainly something's going to have to change if, like blair said if it continues this way now uh, bringing on a, a defensive analyst or a co-defensive coordinator situation, something like that's going to happen. I don't, I really don't think it necessary to see changes at the position uh, for the position coaches, even though maybe that's on the table as well, but certainly when you, you consider they did better last year um, with personnel that wasn't quite as good, I think that that's a concern. It, also int interested to see how some of the, the, the younger guys are going to come on. Like um, Jed Fish mentioned that uh, uh, Ephesians Prysock, which is one of the best names in college football uh, is going to get more time. Uh, Jacob Manu has, has worked his way into more time as well. So especially as you go later in the season, you see, look, this defense just isn't good. It's awful. There's really no reason not to give some of the younger players more time, even though you didn't want to do that right away uh, and see what they can do for your team and, and give them an opportunity to, to make big plays and get on the highlight reel and push themselves to be starters next season. So I look forward to that, but yeah, that it, it just, you know, USC coming up, UCLA, Utah, it, it, it's, it doesn't get any, any easier. I'm going to go a little off topic with my answer for this one. 2024. I looked at the schedule. USC and US and UCLA are off uh, off the schedule. Arizona has two weak non-conference opponents. Then I think they're at Kansas State. That is the year that Arizona should take a giant leap without having the two LA schools in the conference. That's a year that Arizona needs to win nine games. Looking at the home schedule, ASU at home. If things aren't better midway through next year, Jed Fish has to make a change. Until then, though, I agree with what you all are saying. I'm selling that Arizona does not have to make drastic changes to its defensive staff. Okay. Number two, I'm going to start with you on this one, Blair. Uh, personnel is to blame, not coaching. If you were to assign the majority of the blame, I'm saying you would blame it more on personnel than coaching by yourself on defense, especially. Well, I mean, I, I sort of want to, to buy it in both directions in a way, you know, if I, if I can, because if you go back two years ago, coming off 2020, that was really one of the worst talent rosters Arizona's probably ever had. And so what the coaching staff a year ago inherited was a really depleted roster in terms of talent, uh, in terms of experience, um, in terms of success. I mean, that group just hadn't experienced a lot of success. I thought Don Brown and, you know, and that defensive staff a year ago got more out of the talent than they actually had. And, and that was an incredibly impressive, you know, thing to see um, the talent, is probably a kind of a wash in terms of the upgrade this year. I think there's some players that didn't necessarily make a make the jump that, that you hoped. Uh, it's very difficult for young freshmen, true freshmen, to come in and make an impact on the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, these days. So the talent may be slightly better this year. Maybe it's not any better. Um, but I think it is an accurate statement to say that the defensive coaching staff this year 
uh, is getting less with the same talent than last year's staff did. And that's a problem. And, and, and I think that's what makes this previous question such an interesting one is you rarely get such a, you know, apples to apples comparison here. I mean, this is a lot of the same personnel, a lot of the same players that were on the field with one coordinator last year, and they're producing and performing at a lower level this year with a new coaching, uh, a new defensive coordinator and a new scheme. So um, I think Barrett can speak to this a lot better than I can, but when you get a new scheme implemented, that takes time to learn. Um, but Don Brown implemented a new scheme last year too. And, and the team seemed to pick up on that pretty quickly, seemed prepared week in and week out. They were still vulnerable. They still had some you know, high moments and some low moments. Um, it just looked to me that the team was a more prepared a year ago and also executed its plan each week a little bit better than this team has so far this year. So I think that part of the blame falls a little bit on the coaching staff, even though um, talent-wise, I don't know that they're, de- they're necessarily any better than they were a year ago. All right, Barrett, uh, personnel is to blame, not coaching. What do you say? So I think for wow. me, uh, look, we, we lost Trevon Mason, Mo Diallo, and Pandy. None of those three guys are on an NFL roster today. So what that means is that while they were good, solid players, they were not irreplaceable. They're not, you know, they didn't make the NFL roster. They're not even on a training or on a uh, practice squad this year. So when we're looking at those replacements that have come in for them with Paris Shan, Tank Wilson, Bars, who, as referenced earlier, just really not having the impact uh, that he had last year, Jerry Roberts, you know, he didn't start until game four last year. He was the backup. So did we expect too much from him potentially to come in this year and play like gangbusters? Because if you look at the games that we have played decently in, then Jerry Roberts is getting nine to 12 tackles a game. When we've gotten our tails kicked, he's getting three to four tackles a game. So just what is that, you know, what is the the, the, the secret formula there? Solve your aggression. What did, what did Don Brown say? Solve your problems through aggression. We had an identity. And for the first time in several years before that, we played with passionate chaos last year. This year, what are we? And it's difficult to describe. It's a 4-2-5 defense that it's a zone-based defense where we don't play as much man-to-man. We don't see a lot of twists. We don't see a lot of stunts. We don't see corner blitzes. We don't see... And I guess I'm not trying to slam Coach Nansen, but I think it's a bend but don't break more uh, balance. I'm not sure what word I'm trying to come up with there, but you know, there, there's nothing to it. There, there's, I heard a coach say that they run a lot of sets. We run a lot of sets and we're not great at any of them. So I think that's probably the, the challenge that I see is that what is our identity on defense? What are we good at? And I don't think that we could actually say that we have an identity where we're good at anything. And that's a challenge. That's a problem. Because if you play zone half the time and you're not very good at that, and you play man-to-man half the time and you're not very good at that, and you can't get to the quarterback and you're not very good at that, and you can't shut down the run when there's no real focus and you can't take away either the run or the pass, then you are at the mercy of an offense. And that's what we've seen pretty consistently this year. Yeah. I, I mean, Barrett and listening to you, I actually would probably agree. Uh, I'm, I'm going to blame more coaching than personnel. I, I, I think you sold me on that. Shane, what do you say on this one that personnel it should be to blame instead of coaching? Yeah. I, I touched on that uh, my, in the first question um, and I'll, I'll sell that it'd be more to blame. I, I do think that it's just tough to know how guys are going to do year after year. I, I I think that certainly they responded better to Don Brown than Johnny Nansen. That was that that's obvious. And to Blair's or I'm sorry to Barrett's point, uh, you know, losing three guys who who aren't necessarily extremely missed. Uh, it, that that's it's tough. They should be they should be at least as good as they were last year. So uh, yeah, I and then wholesale changes. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but certainly. I again, like I said, I would like to see some guys who have had not had as many reps get more reps the rest of the way. Get give them an opportunity. Uh, guys who maybe were recruited by by John and a lot of guys were recruited by Johnny Nansen, but certainly were or newer on the roster and maybe give them more of an opportunity to make an impact the rest of the way. Just a quick comment from uh, both you, Blair and Barrett. Uh, Barrett, I'll start with you on this. Just your thoughts on the offense. You know, we we've gone all negative thus far with defense. Just your thoughts. How pleased are you with what you're seeing from Arizona's offense? 
I mean, to me, I, I think that gives me hope and excitement towards the defense potentially next year. Because when you talk about the impact that the transfer portal brought to us on offense, it starts with Delora. It start, you know, and then you get Cowing in, in here. He produced at UTEP. He's producing here. Tanner McLaughlin, a little bit of a surprise, right? Didn't really know what he was at Southern Utah. Huge impact on this offense. So that tells me that if we do get some of that same type of impact when, from the transfer portal or ju junior college or wh whatever it may be, we can do that on defense. But offensively, I mean, to have that belief that we are going to go out and when we play USC on Saturday, we, that we are going to score 28 points. And what are you going to stop from us? Are you going to stop the four wide receivers? Uh, are you going to stop the tight end? Are you going to stop the running game? No one has really stopped us. And I think after seven games, that's not fluke. I think we're seeing a high level of football on the offensive side. And there's no cavalry coming on the defense. So we've got to continue to try to outscore teams and get a few stops. But, I mean, literally zero complaints. Could you nitpick and say Peyton Fears isn't playing very well in pass protection? Yeah, you could. You know, could you say that we've dropped a few balls like Dorian Singer? He makes some unbelievable catches. He's also dropped a couple that you got to make sometimes. So, you know, we're not turning the ball over that much. Delora, you know, as Coach Fish has talked about that, you can't, there's no 14 point play. Just take what's there, uh, keep moving the chains. But uh, I mean, those are really, really small things that we could pick apart. But on the whole, again, we talked about this. People last year were questioning whether Jed Smith could call, a, or excuse me, Coach Fish could could call a game. Was he a good offensive? I was one of them. I was yeah. one of them. I mean, yep. we all were, right? But yep. man, there's a difference between Plummer and Cruz behind quarterback or behind center and Delora. And those two are probably intertwined, but what a difference it's made. And it's really fun to watch. Blair, offensively, uh, has have they surpassed your preseason expectations? Yeah, they've they've blown out my, my preseason expectations. I knew it was going to be a better offense. I mean, you bring in playmakers like Jacob Cowling and Tetaroa McMillan and obviously Jaden Delora. Um, you knew we were going to be better. We were going to be a little bit more prolific in the passing game. Um, for me, I still had question marks on our offensive line. And, and you know, it's still probably a, a general area of a little bit of weakness, especially um, in, in the running game. We're running the ball pretty effectively. We're running it more effectively than last year. Um, that group has improved itself. Um, I think we actually pass protect pretty well. You know, there's obviously some plays here or there. You know, we've given up some pressure, as, as Barrett mentioned, obviously, uh, you know, from the right tackle position um, at times. But, I mean, for how much we throw it and, and for how, you know, Jaden can, can, can see things and use his feet and escape trouble, um, you know, we've done the things to make him successful and make this offense successful. So they've surpassed my expectations coming into the year. I think Barrett, you know, going back to the defense, made a great point about identity. What is this defense's identity? That was my number one question about the Jed Fish hire in year one. I didn't know going into last year what the identity of the offense wanted to be. Um, I think it took us some time because of all the struggles we had with rotating quarterbacks week in and week out to, to really see that identity. I thought as Will Plummer got to play game after game down the stretch, you actually started to see some of this creativity in the play design, uh, some of the play calling that Jed had. I thought we used Stanley Perryhill really well last year. Now you fast forward another year, he's taken that identity, he's put all these new pieces together. It's a really exciting offense to watch. You can keep defenses off balance. Um, and, and like I said, the more consistent the running game can get, uh, the more dominant it can get, um, especially in the red zone, um, this offense can become a really, really prolific offense. So my last buy or sell question for you guys, and then we, I'll have more for you in the next segment. Uh, Shane, I'll start with you. Uh, Arizona has given up 49 points in each of its three Pac-12 losses, all three of them. Uh, buy or sell, USC will score 49 or more points this weekend. And it's crazy, too, because Oregon could have easily put up more if they had to. Uh, they could have gotten yeah. 60. Uh, foolishly, I'm going to sell it. I, I feel like, and, you know, this is frustrating here because I feel like if our defense was as good as it was last year, we'd actually have a decent chance at an upset. Right. Uh, and they'll maybe, and you think, okay, well, Arizona's got a bye week. They got a you know, week to, to get things right. Well, USC's had a week to stew over that, that you've exactly. lost. So yeah. I don't, I, that, that's kind of a wash there, but I, I'll say that somehow, some way they'll hold USC to 48 points or less. I know we'll get into predictions uh, in the, in the next segment. Um, I'm not confident uh, in that very much, but uh, I, I think 
I, it's just hard. It's hard for me to, to, to figure out how, how they're going to find a way to win. I know we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. We'll but, get there. We'll but, get there. But I, I think that if we, if, if Arizona's defense was as good as it was last year, they'd have at least one more win right now. Uh, I think the Washington right. game was the most likely uh, candidate there. And, and they still, even with that, they came close. There was a holding penalty that went against them late, late in the game. But uh, I, I'll say somehow, some way they'll hold USC to under 49 points is because I'm, you know, I'm a huge optimist as you know, Eric, and, and I, uh, yeah, clearly, I, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, I, mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm going to take a gamble on that one. All right. Uh, speaking of gambling, I like the under 76 in this game. So I'm, I'm selling it. I think it's going to be lower scoring than that. I'm just going to say that. All right, Blair, uh, buy or sell, uh, USC is going to score 49 or more on, on Saturday. Yeah. If Arizona is going to have a chance to win the game, I'm going to have to buy this and say that USC is not going to score 49. I think if Arizona can even hold them around 40, 41, somewhere in there, there might be enough opportunity for Arizona to score enough points to, to win the game. Um, but USC has got a, I mean, they got some dynamic receivers. They're running the football. Well, the offensive line is, is, kind of playing up to, to standards that we haven't seen from the USC offensive line in a number of years. And that was including a head coach, you know, that that was kind of an offensive line run game uh, coach in the past. Uh, Caleb Williams, dynamic athlete. It's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough task. If I can point out kind of one stat as we look over the last decade of Arizona and USC, if USC has to throw the football a lot and it might want to based on Arizona's past defense, but that will be a good thing. That creates more opportunities for incompletions, interceptions, tip passes, things like that. The last time USC kind of passed itself out of a game with Arizona was back in Rich uh, Rodriguez's first year, 2012. Uh, for some reason with Matt Barkley, they just kept throwing the football and throwing the football and Arizona kept getting turnovers and weird fluky plays and, and quick possessions gave the ball back to Arizona. The nine meetings since USC averages uh, 250 yards rushing per game. They only ran for 125 in that one game uh, in 2012. Year after year, it's 200 plus yards, 350 yards running the football. So uh, it, I think if USC can come in and run the football, it wins pretty easily. But if Arizona can somehow force them to throw it around, maybe there's a little bit of luck involved, get a few interceptions, maybe get a defensive score and a pick six, something that hasn't happened to this defense yet. That's where I could see Arizona holding USC below 40, 49. All right, but one one thing before Barrett answers this, uh, USC has only one turnover all year. They lead the nation in turnover margin as a at a plus fifteen. And how many and, and how many takeaways does Arizona have in their last how, like like what, one in their last three or four games? Yeah, that's not. I, I, I'm going to say the turnovers. I would be shocked if that happened. All right, Barrett, forty nine or more for USC or or less. Let me just start off by saying this. Uh, I think we've got a new Nick theme: the Encyclopedia Blair Tanica. Very nice. Okay, what he just we'll did there, that. Encyclopedia Blair Tanica, a very impressive Blair. Uh, my optimistic to to laugh at what you said, Shane. How can we continue to give up forty nine points? It's not possible. Is where my mind goes. I I cannot figure that we have fifteen kids on that defense, right, with a couple uh, backups in there that are going to continue to get pummeled. So. I'm just using raw emotion and wildcat bleeding of red and blue through and through that. I have to say that we will hold them under 49, but it's, there's no logic behind that whatsoever. Okay. Fair. And I'm with you, Barrett. I have no logic behind mine. I'm just saying a bye week maybe we hold them under 49. All right. Coming up in the next segment, we're not only going to do picks, but I have one question for each of you uh, separately for, to answer. I'm putting you all on the hot seat with different topics. So not only football, I'm just going to say that uh, here on Wildcat Country. And once again, we want to thank our sponsor, Ice Shaker, for sponsoring Buy Yourself. Scooby, we sent you an Ice Shaker. Um, They are a sponsor, uh, courtesy of our buddy, Chris Gronkowski. Uh, You have it right there. I love my Ice Shaker. Fun fact, when I was, I trained with Glenn Gronkowski, everybody, when we were trained together, people thought I was, I was the other Gronk brother, so it's kind of funny. But yes, I love my ice shaker. It is very good. I use it every day. I am a, I am a veteran to the ice shaker game, by the way. What's up, Wildcat Country? Chris Gronkowski here. Use coupon code WildcatCountry at iShaker.com. All right, it's time for my favorite part of the show, random questions with our expert panel, 
Shane. What do you mean your Blair favorite Willis, part of the show? This is the first time you've ever done random questions. And Barrett Baker, I know. But this is my favorite part of this show because okay. none of you know what I'm going to ask. And I have one specifically tailored for each one of you. All right, Blair, I'll start with you. Uh, you worked for the university for quite a while. The university has canceled the homecoming parade. Does this outrage you or do you not really care? Well, um, I've never had anything to do with the homecoming parade, okay. um, but it's a longstanding tradition. I remember growing up as a as a kid and going to games with my parents and, and tailgating before games. We'd always, for homecoming weekend, walk over there and check out the parade. Uh, it's a cool tradition. Uh, I don't I haven't honestly kind of looked into all the reasons why they canceled it this year. I saw a lack of student engagement or, or, or something like that. I hope in future years there can be some creative ways to boost up that engagement and, and get the parade back because uh, I would hopefully it's not gone forever. But, you know, again, I haven't read too much on it this week. And, you know, it's just one of those traditions. I think it probably means more to the alumni than maybe the current students and, and current administration. Um, but you'd hate to kind of see that go forever. So hopefully there's something they can do in the coming years. I don't like it. Uh, I think it's, I, I, it was just fun. Like for me, I remember vividly remember walking next to the a parade car and Lou Olson's right there and like giving him, Hey, what's up coach? Like that was cool on homecoming. Barrett, do you have any, like, does this really, is this a hot button topic for you or not really anything here? Not for me, but the, the fact is, is it, it truly is for a lot of wildcat alums and a lot of people that, that have put a lot into it over the years. And, and if it really means that much to them, then I feel bad for them. And, and I, you know, certainly would feel better for them if it was brought back or, you know, continued in the future, maybe after a short hiatus. That's fair. Shane, I have to ask you about this one. Go ahead. Well, I, I didn't, re- I didn't know until you just told me that it was canceled. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree this tradition is important, but I've never actually been to one. Really? You know what? You know, no, I have. But you know what shocked me and is that, and I guess it's my ignorance, but that the John Button Salmon wasn't already in the Ring of Honor at Arizona. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is. That's going to happen this Saturday. And Jed Fish even mentioned during his press conference, he was kind of surprised it hadn't happened already. I mean, the guy's got a bust outside of, of Arizona Stadium. I mean, he's got a whole fight song dedicated to the legend of Bear Down, and um, so I'm glad it's happening. But um, you know, speaking of traditions, I'm that it's kind of weird that it took this long that that long to happen for John Salmon. Yeah, that that is a a very weird one, and nobody even I don't think any of us knew that he wasn't in the Ring of Honor. I, I think ninety percent of us had that reaction. It, yeah, he wasn't already. All right, so so Barrett, Shane, and I talked about this one, but I'm I'm going to ask you, and then we'll go to Blair on this one. Uh, I said last week that 2022 will be the best home schedule that Arizona will have for many years to come. There will be no more USC and uh, you know or UCLA on the home schedule. The odd years don't have ASU. We had a top 25 Mississippi State team from the SEC. We had a top 10-ish Oregon team come in, plus, you know, 10th ranked USC. It's never going to get better at home for Arizona football fans. Uh, Buy or sell. I mean, just thoughts on that. I love watching Arizona Wildcat football. So the truth of the matter for me is I don't care who they play. I, I just, I love going to the Fair. games. I love supporting the players. Uh, yes, I want our program to be at a level that we can compete against Mississippi State, that we can compete against Oregon and send our fans home happy and, and actually get them there with the anticipation of victory. So I, I don't really care who we play. I just like to come out with victories. I like our student athletes to be able to sing Bear Down in the locker room. Uh, and if I may make fun of that, they need to practice. Whoa. Good. Sorry about that, guys. You're good. You're good. There, there I'm, back. Go. I'm back. I'm uh, back. That was a quick save there. Hey, I'm, a de- I'm a defensive back. Knock it down. Knock it down. <laughs> uh, but we need to practice our bear down. Uh, oh, really? Okay. I don't know that. Yeah. If you watch the videos that they film, they're a little bit off uh, when to wrap up that fight song. So that's the goal next year get the fact that we can sing that, you know, eight or nine times. Uh, but to go back to your original question, I love Arizona Wildcat football. I don't care who we play. I just like to see wins. Yeah. Barrett, Barrett wants the Michigan uh, scheduling where Jim Harbaugh schedules like the worst teams he can find for non-conference and then plays in a week, big 10, except Ohio state <laughs> and maybe Penn state occasionally, maybe Michigan state. All right, Blair, uh, give us some historical uh, perspective here. 
it's never going to get better than this going forward as far as a quality home schedule at Arizona Stadium. Do you agree with that? Um, to an extent, it's a good schedule. Um, I, I just don't know where college football is going to be, say, in, in five or ten years. Um, right. You know, you look out into the 2030s, early 2030s, I mean, there's some great non-conference opponents. You've got Alabamas and Nebraskas and uh, Kansas State's coming up sooner. I mean, you got some of those matchups, but by then you're already past the next TV deal, uh, most likely. You're into the next iteration of the college football playoff. Uh, so projecting into the future is a little hard when it comes to scheduling. Um, I'll be optimistic that I think, you know, maybe scheduling could get even better and a little bit more creative with UCLA and, and USC leaving. Um, you know, maybe there's some opportunities to, you know, for the for all the remaining PAC teams to boost up their non-conference schedules and, um, you know, maybe get some some unique home and homes in there. Um, we'll see what the TV partners want to do. They obviously have a big say in, in creating those types of matchups and everything but no this was a good home schedule uh, I'll say this I thought the North Dakota State game was was probably one of the most enjoyable like football games to watch because it was really just a, a pure old school smash mouth back and forth football game it was a pretty mm. quick pace it didn't take four hours to play um, it was a one possession game the whole way I mean winning that game I don't care if it was a FCS level opponent you beat any opponent like that and you get to walk out of your stadium or walk into your locker room and sing the fight song. Like Barrett said, I mean, that's what it's about. That's for the fans. That's for the players. That, that's I still hated the I still hated the scheduling of it though. It was unnecessary. I think Barrett's onto something though. You go the Harbaugh route, Shane. I mean, where Harbaugh schedules Hawaii, UConn and some other garbage team obliterates them. Michigan still in the in consideration for the playoff until they play Ohio State. Yeah, it's here's, genius, it's, right? It's, you know, here's the problem: if you lose to those teams, you remember Michigan losing You're to Appalachian, lo- well, Appalachian right, State, Arizona losing to NAU last year, ASU losing to Eastern Michigan. That that that's, that's the downside is you could pay teams to come in and beat you. So that you know, you schedule cupcakes. Sometimes the cupcakes uh, squeak out a victory. But but I'll tell you, Barrett has changed my opinion on this. Uh, I all I care about is winning. I would rather. I guess I would rather see a 60 point Arizona win than them losing, getting blown out or by a team that they're not competitive against. So, you know, I'll, I'll give you that. Okay. Shane, for you uh, off football for a second, uh, the basketball preseason polls in the PAC 12 came out men's uh, the men's team is number two preseason. The women's team is number three, too high or too low for each one of those. Yeah. And real quick, I'm glad you uh, pivoted to basketball. Uh, I know that a lot of people have mentioned that uh, we actually got an email on their new email address uh, a few days ago about um, let, let's talk more, you know, non-football men's basketball, have, you know, talk women's hoops. We we've done that in the past. We're going to do it again. So absolutely. We'll get to that. So this is a mostly football uh, discussion with football guys, but we'll definitely get into the other sports as we get further along into the season. Uh, I, I think the women's is about right. Uh, I think that they are probably three, right behind. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I think they're actually going to finish second in the conference. So I had to predict right behind Stanford. I think they're a top 10 caliber team. We talked about that last week. I think what they added this year versus what they lost, it, it's, I think they're, they're very undervalued. And I think we're going to see that soon on the men's side. Yeah. I, I Arizona lost a lot. I don't think that, that I I'm not as optimistic about them as I am on the women's side, but who's going to beat them in the conference other than UCLA, Oregon, another team or two will probably emerge, but I think they're probably about right in the conference and, you know, in, in nationally in the top 25, I think they're a borderline top 25 team, but in the PAC 12 itself, I think they're probably about where they should be. Yeah. I don't know if they're better than Oregon Shane uh, for the men. So uh, I probably would have put them number three or a couple of five stars in there. Yeah. So I think they're probably one spot too high. I think the women, yeah, I think you're probably right. Second or third with the women. So I don't really have a problem. Uh, I, I probably would have flipped them. them. I probably would have had the women yeah. two and the, and the men three. Okay, fair. Uh, All right, guys, it is time for picks. Blair did this with us uh, during the first week. He went five and six, but against the spread. But he picked Arizona outright. They won the game. So he is one and oh outright and uh, against the spread with picking Wildcat games. Uh, I went seven and two last week. Shane, five and four. I have a nine game lead. Ten games over 500. So I'm actually doing good at this. Uh, we're both Shane and I are both four and three straight up picking Arizona games, but we're not so good against the spread. All right. It's a good thing that you're doing better than I am because you're the one who has the column on and, and sportsline.com. Thank you. There Shane. you go. And I do. And I am picking the Arizona game and I will give away one of my plays. It is a free column to read. I like the under in that game. I mentioned it earlier. I, I just feel like the defenses are going to show up now. We'll make our picks and I'll tell you who I think is going to cover the spread later on, but 
Uh, I do like the under. That's one of my plays. All right, guys, maybe a sentence or two about each game. Barrett, I'll start with you. Utah is a seven-point favorite on Thursday night at Washington State. Who you got? Utah's playing good football. It's them. All right. Blair, uh, Utah getting giving seven at Washington State. Seems like a trap game to me. What do you think? It is. Um, Washington State's coming off a bye. Um, this matchup hasn't been in Pullman in, in a few years, so Utah hasn't been up there. I think it's going to be a good environment. I think the Cougars keep it close. But Barrett said it. It's kind of what Utah does every year. By the time you get to the end of October, you head towards November. Utah's playing good football. I think uh, a close game for three quarters, and then Utah will pull away late. Shane, I'm taking Washington State. I think they keep it within four. Just a hunch. I, I actually I agree with everything Blair said, though. I, I think it, it is a tough game. I don't I don't necessarily a trap game because Utah's already lost a couple of games. I That's feel true. like if they went yeah. to Pullman undefeated, to be a different story. Um, but I think they're going to Washington State is better than their record. But I think Utah wins, and I think they'll find a way to cover. Okay, uh, Shane, uh, Ohio State has rolled through everybody, beat Iowa by 44 last week. They're giving 15 and a half at a white outless Penn State at during a day game. Uh, I feel like the Buckeyes, this is easy for Ohio State. You agree? I think Penn State's going to keep it close. I think they're going to find a way to cover. Ohio State is one of uh, like two top 25 teams that hasn't beaten a team that's currently ranked at the moment. Doesn't mean they're not a good team, uh, but I think it's going to be, I'm a little bit surprised by that spread. I think Penn State's going to find a way to cover. Uh, Blair, what do you think? Who you got? 15 and a half. Yeah, I think we, you know, USC is a team in, in the Pac-12 that's forced a lot of turnovers defensively. I think Ohio State, Penn State are both 1-2 in the Big Ten for, for creating turnovers. So I think that's going to decide this game. Penn State will have to get some turnovers if it's going to keep it close. Ultimately, I think Ohio State's the best, one of the best offenses in the country, certainly the best in the Big Ten. I think they're going to end up rolling in the second half of that one. I think so too. Barrett, what do you say? I read something recently talking about Franklin and his inability to win the big game. Uh, and it was really something that, uh, you know, he's got such a great reputation and it was startling to me. Uh, he just has not been able to come up with that victory. Uh, and I don't think it happens this week either. So I will take the points. And I think Ohio State, just to echo what uh, the other gentlemen have said, I think they take care of business. I think Ohio State's the best team in the country. And I actually, it's a great point that Barrett makes. James Franklin, arguably is the most overrated coach in the country. He really he is. I'm, I'm going right. I'm going to take it a step further. Very overrated. Okay, guys, quick one here. We know Georgia is not losing to Florida, but they're giving 22 and a half points. Blair, is that too many? It could be. And um, I, I think Georgia is not going to have any trouble winning this game. Um, but I think 22 is a lot to cover. So I, I'm thinking something more around the, you know, 17 points uh, would probably be a good spread with, with Georgia pulling away late. Barrett, is that too many points uh, in a rivalry game like that in a, at a neutral site? Uh, I, which Georgia shows up, the team that trounced Oregon 49-3 to or the team that was uh, behind uh, against Missouri? That's the challenge there. 22 points is, is a lot of points against a quality opponent, so I think they will not cover that. I, I would say it's going to be a little bit closer than that. Shane, I'm going with Georgia. I think Georgia, this is one of those 38-7 type of games, in my opinion. What do you say? Could be, but I'm going to go with Barrett and Blair. I think it's going to be closer than that. I think Georgia can win handily and still Florida will find a way to cover. You know, 21 points, it's still a cover. Well, I'm on an island twice out of the first three. We'll see about this one. Oregon has scored at least 40 points in every game except their first one against Georgia, which Barrett just referenced. They are giving 17 to a Cal team that probably overachieved against Arizona and hasn't done much since. I like Oregon with the points. Uh, Barrett, we'll start with you. Who you got? Got to be Oregon. Uh, I, I just, where are they? Who are, you know, until they've placed Georgia again, no one's stopping them. Uh, Nix is playing at a very, very high level. He's making it look easy right now. Uh, Cal's performance against us was, uh, you know, I would say fluky, it seems like at this point. So it's just, again, it's an easy pick for me to go with Oregon on that one. Blair, how about you? Yeah, I think Oregon's going to win this football game, but I think it might be a little closer than expected. Um, Justin Wilcox and Cal are just one of those teams, especially, you know, at home that seem to keep things close. Um, you know, the Washington game last week was one of those. I just, you know, Washington should have been able to throw the football around the field against Cal like Arizona did earlier, uh, you know, earlier in the season, but they really couldn't capitalize and score. Cal just hung around, hung around and was down by seven uh, with a chance there late in the game. I think this could be a similar game for Oregon, which kind of has a letdown. 
uh, coming off the big emotional win last week. So I think it's close for a while, um, but I really don't think Oregon has too much trouble winning this game in the end. Okay. Shane, how about you? So you're going with Oregon with the points. I'll, I'll take um, I'll take Cal. You'll take Cal with the points. Okay, but you think Oregon's going to win the game? Okay, uh, Shane, who you got? Yeah, I got I got Oregon with the points. I just Cal's loss to Colorado just sticks in my head. I, I think that the errors on the game was 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 a bit you know of an outlier to put it. And we're we're in polling election season. It was it was the outlier. Uh, so yeah, I, I think Oregon finds a way to to cover seventeen points against Cal. One thing I wrote about in my sports line column: Oregon has to blow teams out now to get respect after that week one loss. It's stupid. But that's the danger in playing a game like they did against Georgia. Now they have to crush everybody. I think they try to run up the score here, and I think they will on Cal. Uh, okay, guys, quick pick on this one. Oklahoma State, even though they're ranked much higher, is getting a point and a half from Kansas State on the road. I like Oklahoma State to win the, ga- the game outright, so I'm taking them. Shane, how about you? I'm going to go with K-State. I mean, they really should have beaten TCU. They kind of fell apart in the second half. Uh, I, I think that the Big 12 cannibalizes itself kind of the same way the Pac-12 does in terms of college football playoff hopes. So uh, I like OK-State, but I think Kansas State finds a way to win. Blair? Yeah, I think this is a really tough game to pick. Um, I, I think Oklahoma State's the, the better team by a small margin overall. But, you know, going into K-State, a good you know, good football team that's, that's been playing well this season, coming off a tough loss. They'll be hungry to get back. Um, I, I'm going to take Oklahoma State because I think they're a little bit better football team, um, but I would not be surprised to see K-State um, also prevail here. Barrett, how about you? Never bet against the Wildcat. Going to be Kansas State. Wow. I mean, that's the best logic we've heard yet. All right. The reason I included this one, obviously it's two ranked teams, but this is a trap game if there ever has been one. Kentucky is getting 12 and a half at Tennessee. The way Tennessee's played, that seems easy. But, but Tennessee plays at Georgia next week. Kentucky is still ranked, and we remember who their coach is, former Arizona assistant Mark Stoops. Okay, uh, Barrett, I'll start with you. Uh, are you taking the former Wildcat? Well, I guess it's a Wildcat, so I guess I should already know my answer, right? <laughs> you just, you already did it, right? Yeah. Never never bet against a Wildcat coaching uh, you know, alum, and so I think Kentucky is one of those – teams that that sometimes they can really surprise you and Tennessee again that letdown uh, it's inevitable it it, they're just going to be coming off a a victory over Alabama which everybody just went hysterical so uh, again Kentucky Wildcats Blair any uh any love for Kentucky in that you you know worked with Mike and Mark Stoops back in the day uh, yeah, I mean, I've, Mark's done an incredible job there. It's really probably one of the best coaching jobs in the country over the last, uh, you know, eight to 10 years. I mean, he's elevated a program in a true football powerhouse league that that's historically a basketball school. I mean, kind of, kind of something we'd like to see Arizona get to some days, a, a team that can contend, you know, year in and year out. I'm going to, I think Kentucky keeps this thing close. I, I think there's a, you know, a decent chance they pull the outright upset here. Um, I, I think it's going to be a very, very close game. One possession the whole way, and um, I, I, I just wouldn't be surprised for Mark Stoops' bunch to to kind of punch back. They had a couple lumps earlier in the season with some injuries and and missed some players, but I think this is a big big game for them. And Tennessee's obviously riding high with that really really big game looming next week. Shane, agree once again with Blair. I, I actually think that I would be shocked if Kentucky won it outright. I I, I think that. I think Tennessee is not quite as good as, as, as where they're, they're ranked right now. I don't, cause I also, I don't think Alabama is quite as good as they've been in previous years either. They should have lost to Texas. Uh, so in Kentucky's they've had a couple of, uh, rough outings where they probably should have done better. So I think Kentucky finds a way to, I'm not going to be bold enough to pick Kentucky to win outright, but I think they're going to find a way to cover and, 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 and put the fear of God into the volunteers. All right. Two more pack 12 games uh, before we get to the big one. Uh, Stanford is at UCLA. UCLA is giving 16 and a half points. My one stat for you, Blair, uh, David Shaw is 10 and two against UCLA. albeit those two losses have come in the last three meetings. Uh, I like Stanford with the points for that reason. I feel like this game is going to be closer, especially with UCLA of the hangover effect. What do you think? Yeah, I, I kind of like this to be a closer game than expected. Um, it, it just really depends on how UCLA bounces back. You know, they UCLA moved the football really well against Oregon last week. They just settled for some field goals, didn't capitalize on all their opportunities. If they get back to the UCLA that we saw the first, you know, five, six games of the year, I think they'll blow Stanford out. But there's just kind of something about the ugliness that Stanford's playing with right now that's keeping games close. So 
uh, I'll take Stanford uh, with the points there. Yeah, they, they beat ASU last week, 15-14, did not score an offensive touchdown. All right, Barrett, uh, Stanford is getting 16.5 on the road against a UCLA team that apparently they're they uh, trolling uh, our uh, our YouTube uh, forums. So uh, any thoughts on this game? Uh, it's very difficult for me to pick against Coach Akina and Coach Alomar, who are on the Stanford staff. Uh, that being said, I am one of the very few people, and I recognize it, I just do not think that David Shaw is the guy. Uh, I, I think that they've regressed tremendously as a program over the last few mm. years. I don't see any creativity. I think he's very stubborn, and that offense is just difficult to watch. So uh, I think UCLA is going to take care of business again. Shane? Yeah, I, we've talked about Eric. I think we both think UCLA is not as good as it, they as they've been ranked as some people think they are. Uh, but with that said, I think they're going to find a way to cover against Stanford. They have enough offensive firepower. Stanford just doesn't have very much. The win over ASU was was it was decent. It wasn't that impressive. So I think I'm not a big UCLA believer, but I think they're going to cover in this game. All right, I'm going to start with Barrett on this one because if there's anyone who hates ASU more than me, it's probably him. Uh, all right, Barrett, they're giving uh, 13 and a half at Colorado, who we know stinks. Uh, who are you taking here? I just, I, I can never pick ASU. I just can't do it. Uh, I realize that Colorado is terrible. Uh, Boulder can be a difficult place to play. And I think ASU's got some issues on offense, obviously going between quarterbacks and talking about identity. I'm not sure if the team is completely uh together on who's going to lead them. So I cannot pick ASU and I'm going to go for the Buffaloes. Okay. Blair, what do you say? Yeah, I think I might have to root for my heart a little bit here with the Buffaloes as well. Um, I just, I, I would pick ASU to cover the spread. It's two touchdowns against a team that that's really not good. Um, except I don't know what, what ASU is going to do offensively. I mean, the head coach, the interim head coach uh, might be calling plays this week. You know, who's the quarterback that they want to go with. Uh, Barrett mentioned Boulder can be tough to play. They, they had a great crowd despite a terrible season a couple of weeks ago for the Cal Bears being there. Um, if they can get a break or two early, I think Colorado can keep that close. Uh, so I'm going to pull for the Buffaloes to, to do it again at home and, and keep a game close. I'm changing my pick based on what you guys said. I'm taking Colorado with the points. How about you, Shane? I'm going to be on the island for this one. I'm going to go with ASU and the points. Mainly, uh, real short and sweet, not because ASU is that good, but because Colorado is that bad. Fair enough. And now we get to the big one, the one that we have all been waiting for all year, actually. This is a game we all had circled. It's homecoming. It's USC. It's Lincoln Riley's first time as a head coach at Arizona Stadium. Blair, I'm going to start with you. USC is giving 15 and a half points to Arizona. Give me some analysis and a score prediction. Yeah, I think uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the show, but um historically, uh, and I say historically, I mean, the last 10 years, USC has run the football incredibly well against Arizona. Um, every game's been over 5.3 yards per carry. Um, there's been 250-yard games, 300-yard games. Uh, Arizona just has not been able to stop the run in this matchup. And conversely, the Wildcats have not been able to run the football against uh, the Trojans. So I, I really think that this game uh, is going to come down to which team, you know, can run the football or stop the run. I think if Arizona can actually run the football against USC, and when I say that, I mean getting five yards of carry, something Arizona's only done once in the last uh, nine meetings against USC, I think it gives them a chance because it'll balance out the passing attack. It'll make USC have to commit some numbers to the line of scrimmage. It'll create more favorable matchups in the passing game, uh, maybe limit those, you know, interception opportunities that the USC defense has been so opportunistic with. This year, So I think the Cats have to be able to run the football a little bit this week, and they're going to have to find a way to, to try to make USC one-dimensional. They're going to have to put the game in Caleb Williams' hands, see if he can read coverages, make some pre-snap decisions. Uh, he can make plays with his feet. He might be you know, as good of a running threat out of that quarterback position because he's so big, you can't get him on the ground. Um, but if Arizona can take away the run game a little bit, hold him around four, four and a half yards of carry, that might be enough, just enough. To if they can get a tip pass, a deflection, a fumble, a scoop and score, um, Arizona might be able to keep this close. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to say it's going to be a, a USC victory, unfortunately, but I'll pick maybe 45-34 as the uh, final score. 45-34. All right, Barrett, you are as brutally honest as anyone when it comes to the state of Arizona's defense. What do you expect this week? And give us a score prediction. 
I think we have to go back and look to see who did you see, who did USC lose to and where did they lose, right? Utah is not an easy place to win. Uh, I think that that place is, is makes it very difficult for a visiting team. I just don't see where we're able to do that. I don't think we're able to disrupt the USC offensive rhythm. I think they've got some very difficult uh, receivers to cover. Uh, and again, Blair kind of hits on that. We've lost the trenches against them consistently. Uh, they out-athlete us. They, they just were not quite there yet. So my heart always wants it to be close. But with the defense this year, uh, and Shane touched base on that, if it's last year and we're a top 60 defense or even a top 70 defense, I think we have a chance at it. Uh, we're not that. We're, we're well into, what, 115 or something. So I just don't think we can slow them down enough. Unfortunately, we have not been committing or getting the turnovers on defense, which was the one reason that was cited for Don Brown, uh, you know, the, the, the one chink in the armor there, right, that we didn't create enough turnovers. We haven't done that consistently. So I just don't see it. Unfortunately, I think that uh, we end up losing probably by 27 or so. Okay, taking USC by 27. All right, Shane, uh, give us some good news. Are you going to pick Arizona to at least cover the spread? Uh, against my uh, better judgment, I'm actually going to do so. I think that the bottom line is, like you mentioned, Eric, USC doesn't make any big mistakes. They, they, they don't turn the ball over. Arizona can't get any takeaways. I think the takeaways they got early in the season kind of masked some of their, their deficiencies. And without that, I don't know how they win. I think Arizona is capable of putting up points. I think they're going to keep it close, but I think it's going to be kind of like Washington. They're just not going to be able to, to put up enough. But for some reason, 38-31 USC has been sticking in my head. So uh, against my, like I said, against all logic, I'm going to go with that. I think that's a good pick. I feel like this game is going to be closer for a while. And then I think kind of incorporating what you all said. And then I think USC pulls away. I think Travis Dye, the transfer from Oregon on the ground, is going to bust 175, 200 yards. Arizona's defense is going to get worn down. I think it's a, a seven-point game at halftime somewhere, and then we get blown out in the second half. USC 45, Arizona 24. I hope I'm wrong. I, I'm shocked that Shane is the only one who's picking us to cover the spread. Uh, but, I, you know, it's we will find out. Guys, it has been an absolute blast having you on. Just want to tell you, tell everybody where you can find everybody on Twitter. Uh, I am at Cohen's Corner AZ. Shane is at Shane Dale AZ. Blair is at Blair Willis UA. And Barrett Baker is at Barrett Baker 27. You can also find us at Cat Country AZ on Twitter. And if you'd like to email us, catcountryaz at gmail.com. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. It has been definitely the most intelligent show we've ever had in the 125 episodes we have done of Wildcat Country, and we look forward to doing it again soon. So, for Barrett Baker, Blair Willis, Shane Dale, I'm Eric Cohen. Thanks for listening, and as always, bear down.